0: Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday.
1: And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow.
0: Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today?
1: Let's talk about interrupting what? and some of the other... I'm sorry, what was that? <laughs> Let's talk about interrupting and other things you shouldn't do when you're communicating.
0: Well, before we do because that... Because I
1: really I... think it's important, Dave, that we understand... And can you
0: give me a second to get a word in, Joyce?
1: <laughs> this is fun. Let's just do this the whole time.
0: Well... It, it'll be amusing and one we'll of the shortest listenership ever.
1: <laughs> We've had more unsubscribes this week than any other week.
0: But before we actually get into our main, before we get to our main topic, I have an important public service announcement to make. Actually, I want to congratulate uh, Bonnie. We are promoting Bonnie today. Uh, promoting so Bonnie.
1: Here.
0: I'm sorry, and We forgot. <laughs>
1: Number two lesson in communication: Don't misuse the person's name. That was the funniest thing you've ever done.
0: <laughs> oh, I love to say I. Oh,
1: <laughs> well, this puppy I, just went off the rails.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure we ever found the rails. Um, <laughs> public service announcement again. No, seriously, I, I'm I'm so happy and pleased that I can't even think straight. Obviously, um, that you know. And will now be promoted from our guest co-host to full-time co-host. So, is, yeah. so you, you'll notice new uh, new cover art, and uh, we, we wish the best to Darren. As I said, when uh, back in July, Darren had some medical issues, and it doesn't look like he will be rejoining us again. Um, so, uh, take a minute. Just say a prayer for Darren and his family. Obviously not going to go into any detail here. That's his story to tell, but just please give a prayer to Darren and his his family. And meanwhile, uh, you know, one door opens, closes, another one opens, or whatever that saying is, a window, a crack in the wall. I'm not sure what it is. But Ann has decided to join us. As you can tell, we have a ton of fun. And I'm hopefully you are as well. It's not just the two of us talking into midair. Actually, we're not. We know that for a fact. So, Ann, what are we going to talk about today? Interrupting people. That's right.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I think there are a lot of things that we need to be on the lookout for when we're communicating to try to persuade people, whether it's sales or leadership. Um, and interrupting is such a good example of what that.
0: So before we get into interrupting per se, and I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh Folks, just so you know this, we don't rehearse these things. So (laughs) I think they know, Dave. In case you couldn't tell. We want to talk about other habits that people have in addition to interrupting that make communication a challenge. What, What else comes to mind?
1: Not listening. You know, doing all the talking and not listening is another great way to break trust and, uh, that's the next one that comes to my mind. How about you?
0: Uh, I'm sorry. What was that you just said?
1: <laughs> Such a jerk. All right, Rosenberg.
0: <laughs> my Bonnie. <body. Arrgh. laughs> All right. So, so interrupting, not listening. You know, for me, a big one, and, and this goes along with not listening, but not making eye contact. And no, you know, yeah. I mentioned this before, and we'll come back to it again, because it, it's one of those things that bears um, repeating. But I had a boss once, this was years ago, I was 21 years old, working as an electrician. And and he literally would turn his head virtually 90 degrees when he spoke with you. It was the most annoying thing in the world. We'll we'll, we'll come back to that story. So not making eye contact.
1: Yep. And along the same lines of that is being shifty with your attention. You know, when you've got your phone or your computer or your Apple Watch or whatever's going on in the room and you're being all shifty with your attention, uh, it (laughs) makes people like, okay, you've got other things going on right now.
0: And I'll I'll add one more to this list um, because when you said shifty, I thought you were going here. Being shifty with your word choice, in other words, equivocating and being intentionally obtuse or obfuscating in your language. And if you're unclear.
1: Obfuscating. Yes. Excuse me, I I need to go Google that real quick.
0: Well, do you want us to pause? I can sing the Jeopardy song while you look that up.
1: (laughs) I know that our audience would love to hear you sing, but I'll go ahead and look it up later.
0: Fair enough. All right. So we have these four problems with communication. uh, unclear. I'll just say unclear language. And that's what I mean by obfuscating. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: Why would these be a concern when you're trying to persuade people?
1: As we've talked about over and over and over in the last six months, I can't believe it's been six months, Dave. um, Building trust and respect is vital to being able to persuade anybody of anything. And we need to be on the lookout for these things that are going to undermine trust and respect so that we don't do them. (laughs) And, and, you know, it's perfect example for me when it comes to interrupting is I, you might have noticed I'm a little bit of an excitable person. I'm passionate. I'm energetic. And sometimes I get so excited to participate in the conversation that I'll like totally cut somebody off and not realize that they've just shut up and aren't participating at all anymore because I won't shut up.
0: Right. And the challenge with that, of course, is what's a subtext when you cut somebody off? It's, you're not important. Look at me. I'm the important one.
1: I'm yeah. more important than you. What you have to say isn't important. Shut up and let me talk because I'm more important than you.
0: Exactly. Now, folks, if you're listening out there right now, just think how you feel. We've all experienced it. We've all experienced that blowhard. If you've met me, I know you've experienced it right? And you're listening to somebody and you're trying to get your point across. You haven't even made your point yet. You're like setting it up. And they jump in like, oh, I know better. I know what you're about to say. And half the time, they have no idea what direction you're going. They say the exact wrong thing.
1: Yeah. I I had that happen. I had just joined a board of an organization that I was really, really excited about. We were just getting it started. It was a women's empowerment conference board, and it was going to be really amazing. And in the first board meeting, as we're planning out the structure of the company and how we want to run things, one of the people kept interrupting me. Every time I'd try to talk, every single time she would interrupt. Now, I know it came from a place of self-consciousness and wanting to prove herself on this board because of everything else I know about her, but it came off as so arrogant and it was infuriating and the board ended up falling apart because it was, people didn't want to work in that. And the whole thing fell apart, which was terrible.
0: So I want to, I want to loop back in a minute to talk about how to deal with that situation in a positive way. huh. But I want to, before we do that, actually, because I'm thinking about uh, an upcoming board meeting, you mentioned boards that I'm going to have, where this is a huge potential to occur. And frankly, it's a huge potential for me to do it here, because there's a topic that's on the table. I won't share what the topic is, but it's something I am passionate about. And I know many of the all other board members have an um, uh, opposing viewpoint to mine.
1: I know what it is Dave. It's where you can get the best Philly cheesesteaks. I'm sorry. I outed you. I shouldn't have said that. Let I know it's a, your story to share.
0: Let me give a hint. It's in <laughs> Philly. <laughs> but seriously, I mean this this is something like in my mind I role play, I game play how is this is going to happen and in my mind I frequently hear myself just like, you know, interrupting people and i think this is really important to be self aware when our emotions are so attached to a topic that we want to just like and especially if if you're like me where you um tend to be at the head of the pack you sometimes want to bowl people over and it doesn't especially
1: if you if, feel passionate about something because you feel like you're right and so when somebody's saying something that doesn't agree with what you're you know, your opinion on it, you you want to jump in and correct them.
0: Yeah. And frankly, just to correct you on this, I don't feel like I'm right. I am right. This particular topic, it's a knowledge. And many of us get that way about something.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And And I'm not actually joking when I say I know I'm right. Because that's exactly what goes through my mind. Damn it! This is right. This is my perspective. I you are right. wrong.
1: I am right. Period. Well, and right. this is and this is such an important piece right now. Um, and this goes right with the next point, which we talked about: not listening. You want, when we are so, and this is the whole problem on social media and online. All the trolls standing there and just disagreeing with you. So such a problem with this black and white thinking. And again, sometimes you may be right. But in a lot of these situations, we need to think about whether we're right, not whether we're right. We know we're right, right? <laughs> but the, the need to be right and prove we're right versus the need to build respect with this person. And that's, that's the weighing we need to do as we're in these situations with these people that may infuriate us and may, we want to interrupt but we need to weigh the relationship over our need to be right and the value that it's going to actually bring if we do quote unquote prove that we're right.
0: I, I 100% agree with that. And I will add there's one other aspect and this is not this is not a contradictory ad like when we substitute. Add, Usually but, it is.
1: So I'm, right? yeah. okay, right? But
0: this is not a case with that because I don't, I don't disagree. This is not a paradoxical thing. Even if you think, you know what? I don't care about anything that Ann said you know, you're, you know, that, that I need to listen. I need to, this is, that's really the time to work on this skill because there's going to be another time where you really need to create that relationship, even if this isn't the one. And if you could do it here, when it's less important, it's going to help you when the time comes when we really, really need to be able to do it, whether that's with a, a life partner, a business partner, whoever that might be. And it's like, it's all on the line. And you've learned to bite your tongue, focus, listen. And I don't want to say disengage your passion, but control your passion.
1: And realize, yeah, exactly. Um, In-laws come to mind where you're not probably going to persuade them of a darn thing when it comes to this issue. And so, you know, a, a lot of people think that agree to disagree is a cop-out, but it's not. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to say, you know what, we've got different opinions on this, and we don't have to agree, and that's okay. And by saying that, you don't engage in that argument that you're never going to win, and they're never going to, you know, win, it, and you end up saving yourself from not listening, interrupting, losing trust and respect with that person by trying to beat it into them, yeah. which is also a don't when it comes to communication.
0: Mm, maybe that's where I failed in the past. <laughs> so interrupting is a challenge, and interestingly enough, because you know when you laid this out, not listening. One way to overcome the interrupting problem. learning to listen. Right. You
1: know what my trick is, Dave? And this has been such a hard thing since masks have been in our lives. I watch people's mouth. It sounds super creepy. (laughs) I recognize that. And fortunately, the mouth is close enough to the eyes that it kind of, it doesn't look super creepy. But when I can watch the words coming out of somebody's mouth, I'm engaging both the auditory and the visual part of my brain. And my brain is less likely to go off on other topics.
0: No, you're hundred percent right. Whether you watch the mouth, you know, I, I I mentioned this uh, a couple of weeks ago. I said, look at their ear. Um, Right. That was weird, Dave. Yeah. Well, (laughs) the the ear doesn't talk. So, you know, it's, you know, it's less interesting than a mouth way.
1: Though some people have some pretty interesting ears.
0: Yeah. I, I met some former boxers. Yeah oh yeah oh yeah yeah you know guy all of a sudden i have this undesired uh, unbelievable need for cauliflower i don't yeah. know where it comes from <laughs> but yeah um and, and and just like interrupting right so so and people might be thinking well aren't they wanting the same thing no they, they could look complete they could be the exact opposite right so interrupting is i don't let you finish Not listening could look like that, right? So interrupting is is a form of not listening because you you haven't heard everything. But it could also mean they finished and you don't even know it.
1: You're completely checked out. Or like today, I was on the phone with somebody. He had called me about our NSA chapter, our Speakers Association chapter. But I know him from a different group. But I was leaving the group as he was coming into the group. So I don't think he recognized what... And so I said, oh yeah, how are you enjoying the thing? And he was like, uh, I'm happy. And how are you? How's the chapter? And like, I could tell that he totally didn't listen to my question. He didn't try to understand my question and it baffled me for a while, but it kind of notched him down in my trust of him because he didn't acknowledge my question. He didn't answer my question. And that's another place where not listening comes in when somebody asks you a question, And you don't really answer it or try to understand what they're asking.
0: Right. And so, you know, those of you who have studied active listening techniques understand that one of the most powerful things you can do is respond in an appropriate manner. The the right way,
1: not just respond and hope it goes away.
0: Right? How how many times have you just sort of wished you had that uh uh-huh tape that you could just play? (laughs) I'll just Did set you,
1: that and go make coffee. <laughs>
0: right. I'm reading my emails, and every now and then you hear my pre-recorded voice going, "Uh-huh? uh-huh. Uh, that's interesting. Uh-huh. <laughs> huh? Really?
1: Huh. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> well and the funny thing is, though, Dave, sometimes, and this is another thing, I want to know your opinion on this sometimes when you're talking to somebody, you literally could do that and walk away, and they wouldn't notice because they're so off on their own topic. How do you deal with that?
0: Well, that's actually really interesting from a different perspective, right? Because we're talking about listening to people, not interrupting them in the passive receiving role. But the same is true when you're speaking. If all of a sudden you're doing a monologue. Right. Right. And it's not a conversation, right? I I personally prefer, well, actually, I like monologues. I love hearing myself speak. That's why I'm a professional speaker. Yeah. right but but seriously folks right even when you're on stage and Anne can attest to this right you want it to be a dialogue even if you don't get an actual verbal response from people though sometimes the response is head nod sometimes the response is note-taking sometimes the response is you know uh, applause or, or other things but you have to give time for that feedback to come in so even on stage it's not a monologue
1: right. And I, when I, when I'm doing public speaking seminars, one of the things I'll say is sometimes people are going to be on their phones. And if you see one or two people on their phone, that's fine. As long as other people are engaging, but when you see everybody on their phone, you got to look in the mirror.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. That kind of reminds me, I was doing a training class and I saw somebody nodding off, you know, and I called him out on it. And then at a break, he's like, oh, I have, what is it? Narcolepsy. Sorry about that. I'm like, oh, I felt terrible. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just outed him to everybody, you know, but they probably knew anyway. You know, so. Um,
1: so eye contact was another one. And this is, as we're thinking about not listening to people and checking out, oftentimes we'll be paying attention to other things. And, and I had a, that complimentary don't do this of being shifty. You know, not focusing on that person. You know, looking at your phone, looking at what's going on outside. <laughs> Today, I was on a Zoom call, and this V of geese flew by my window, and I was just completely distracted by it. And the person I was in the meeting was like, uh, "What's going on? What's what's up? What's up outside your window?" I'm like, "There's some birds that are late for flying south. I'm so sorry, I'm here. I swear."
0: <laughs> Crazy. It's January. May as well just winter over in Michigan at this point, right? Just Stay here. You know. <laughs> No, but I mean, but that, but that pulled me away
1: from him and the meeting kind of went off the rails, like with your sleepy guy.
0: Right. I mean, and again, it's that same subliminal message, which is you're not important. I want want to circle back though, because you asked a question that I never answered, which is probably because I kept talking, which is what do you do with somebody who keeps talking (laughs) and and it's really contextually, um, I think, how you deal with that, right? So if it's a business meeting and somebody's going on and on and you need to make a point that I've, and i and when I say I find, I, this is not something I developed myself. This was taught to me, uh, uh, frankly, at a Dell Carnegie seminar um, that I took, you know, decades ago. But the, the sweetest sound to anybody's ears is the sound of their own name. And so if you just say their name, usually it takes about three times, and, 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 it will penetrate the fog of their pontification. How's that for a phrase, by the way? The FOP, the fog of pontification.
1: <laughs> you and your big words today. Dave, look at the brain on Dave.
0: I got to, you know, I, I, I slept last night at a holiday inn, so I'm fine. That's um, all it takes. Yeah, I got a solid night's sleep last night. But seriously, that, that will penetrate through, you know, and then you said, listen, y- you said X, And I'm kind of stuck there. Can we explore that more or whatever it might be? And this is important. If you need to take control, which sometimes you do, ask questions, right? And the person asking questions, and Darren and I had talked about this in in an episode probably about a year or so ago. The person asking questions actually controls the conversation.
1: So ask the questions. And I'm a big proponent of interrupted paraphrase. So that somebody feels like, okay, you know, like you heard me. If I'm paraphrasing what they said, even though I did interrupt, like if I didn't interrupt, we'd still be talking, you know, from a month ago. So that, but that by paraphrasing or by asking them to expand on something they said, you're basically saying, hey, yeah, I'm interrupting you, but it's based on, you know, understanding what you said and, and wanting to move this thing forward.
0: And so are are. are He
1: said it three times.
0: (laughs) So, are you suggesting that I should repeat back what somebody says in my own words?
1: That's what paraphrasing means, David. Yes, that's what I'm suggesting.
0: So, and you know, it's interesting to me because this, as I mentioned earlier, we didn't script this out yet. Yet the the problems we're talking about seem to fall into a very specific order, right? Because people um, are interrupting you, and right? That means they're not listening. So so if they are interrupting you, by the way, and I want to circle back this one too. One of my techniques I, do is, is I might say, and, and I really value your opinion of just, can you do me a favor? And so we don't have to go back and forth on this. Let me finish my thought. And then I really want to hear your take on my entire thought, because I haven't quite gotten there yet.
1: I love that. I like the way you phrased that too, um, because it's respectful. It's saying, I want to hear what you have to say. And I also have something that I'd like to finish as well. So it's welcoming them into the conversation, but also holding space
0: for yourself. Absolutely, setting your boundaries. And, and I'll be candid, there have been times, and it depends on who it is, right? In a business, I may not do this with, but I would with a family. Although, depending on the business relationship, I probably have said this a couple of times before, which is if they keep doing it, and yeah, Michael, listen, I gave you the courtesy of letting me finish, uh, of letting you finish. I mean, can you extend the same courtesy to me? So that's sort of like the next level up
1: mm-hmm.
0: where yeah. I, I might show my ire a little bit because it's getting discourteous. Um, and, and I especially do that when I am in the purchasing role. Yes. When you're the client. Yeah. Oh, hallelujah. Or, or, or maybe I should say the not purchasing role, because typically if I get to that point, the odds of me purchasing.
1: Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, and this is exactly our point, right? Maybe that person was trying to prove they were right about something. They just lost the sale. So it goes back to my point earlier of remember why you're there. Are you there to prove you're right? Or are you there to make a sale? Are you there to prove you're right? Or are you there to build a relationship with somebody on your team? so that you can lead them and persuade them to get on board with whatever initiative is next. Sometimes you being right doesn't move you forward. And it's hard because we're smart people, Dave.
0: Well, speak for yourself.
1: Well, you've been using big words. You're smarter than me today.
0: No, that just means I have big words in my vocabulary. Oh,
1: so you know that brings us to our next point about unclear language (laughs) or language that people aren't gonna understand, like ire. Means anger. I know that, but a lot of people might not.
0: Yeah. And you know, that's also a really interesting point. A lot of people, present company included, right? We we use big words to um maybe make ourselves feel better and look better.
1: Yeah. Right?
0: Now I, I actually try and use, I don't say try and use big words, but I try and use words that are are, are truly appropriate for the thing that, that connote. Oh sorry, there's another one that means something very specific and there's perhaps some nuance um now i'm being really self-conscious here
1: one syllable dave one syllable
0: there's some new um this doesn't (laughs) work when you do that right (laughs) Right, but there's some subtleties that you're trying to communicate communicate yeah there's three syllables there so um but what i was talking about when i talked about unclear language is really more uh Language that is designed
1: to mislead,
0: to mislead or mm. designed to be interpreted multiple ways so that people tend to interpret it their way, which may not be your way, which of course sets you up for failure in the future.
1: Or it sets you up for an out when they misunderstand.
0: Right. Or maybe it's not designed to do that intentionally. But you don't know how to say so for example you know hey boss can i get um you know march 15th off well let's make it march which was the ides the 14th or the 15th um at any rate i don't know i was just trying to go to go do some sort of julius caesar at two brute a joke but it totally fell apart on me um
1: good timing dave
0: yeah but right and you know, just well. Mm, you know, if possible, well, you know, and you start like wishy-washy, right? Right. right.
1: It's and a non-committal it, answer. It's basically using a lot of words to not say anything, which infuriates me. Another big word, Dave.
0: And frankly, it infuriates I think everybody. Yeah. Like, because now you're on shaky ground. What do I do? Right. I need to make plans. Right. Right. And and maybe the answer is I can't answer that right now. Say it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Just say, listen, I would love to be able to say yes. I can't. I have to wait for this, 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 and this. Right. Because that opens up the conversation to, a well, I need to buy plane tickets or blah, 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 whatever it might be. And, and then you could try and find that win-win.
1: Yeah. And, and so often people are trying to cover their butts. They're trying to sound smart. They're trying to sound like they know what they're talking about. And by being honest, maybe somebody will say, oh, wow, you know, Dave should have known his stuff better in that meeting, but I trust him because he said he didn't. And then he got me the answer.
0: Right. Which, you know, for, I'd for rather it. have that. Exactly. Which is, you know, this, you hear this in sales when you first get into sales. I don't know the answer, but I will find out. Right. Right.
1: And as long as you follow up, people will believe that you follow through on what you say and what you say can be believed.
0: That's exactly right. And so be as precise in your conversation as possible. Now, There's another aspect of this that just popped into my head. And I'm flashing back to my old boss uh, when I ran the moving company. This is the owner of the company. I was the president. And I am a very strong auditory. Okay. From an NLP neuro linguistics programming perspective, which means I process things verbally. So in my head, I hear voices Um. Yes, you should be afraid. It's another episode. (laughs) But most people, 55% of people are strongly visual. So they see scenes. So when I think about Friday night, right? I I don't picture what went on. I hear like this running dialogue describing what I did Friday night, right? Uh. And and I have conversations with myself all the time. It's just running dialogue. It's a really weird place in there, right? And, And this is the way auditories are. You know, um, and you know Darren was that way fifty five percent of people are visuals, so visual people actually see imagery uh-huh the way we communicate is distinctly different, so visuals because they're playing a movie in their head, they tend to talk very quickly because they're trying to keep up with the visuals and they don't necessarily complete their sentences and they think everybody else sees the same movie they do so. Brian, who was the owner of the company, and I would have these meetings about whatever issue was going on and he'd be and then a the sentence would and it would never. And then, you know, and, and I'd be getting super frustrated because he never finished a gosh darn sentence. <laughs> and I choose my words very carefully because I'm an auditory and words are important to me. And so that's another area where you can be unclear. Yeah, maybe it's yeah, maybe it's not intentional maybe it's just the way you communicate and being
1: and i and i have a challenge with people who talk in circles and it's a similar thing where their brain is just going down this path that's winding through the forest and like there's a straight path just take it <laughs> but and you know that's one of those things where we need to establish when we know we work with somebody like that, and maybe you did this with your boss, but establish some standards of, hey, let me just back you up for a sec. Cause I didn't get the end of that. And I don't understand that. Like being able to respectfully find that common ground.
0: Did you ever do that? Yeah. It's funny. You said that. So, um, and Brian, super, super guy fertile individual and super nice guy. And at early on, before we realized what was going on. And there's a reason I know what was going on now. But it, in the beginning, it was just sort of like, I was getting frustrated. He was getting frustrated. Tempers were going up. Voices were getting elevated. And finally, I, I, I'm like, I'm like, can you finish your sentence? Right? And then I'm like, wait a second. You're a visual. And, you know, he, he knew NLP at the same level I did. Where neither one of us are experts. Like we haven't been certified, but we're aware of it. And we came to this realization that this is where the miscommunication. Once we understood that's what the problem was, then it became a lot easier because I would be able to say, "Hey, hey, uh, 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 Brian, not Darren. Brian, Brian, could you slow down for a second? Yeah, you know, finish this thought. Then we'll move on. Let me make sure I understand because I'm not hearing what you're trying to say. You know, yeah.
1: And that's what I love when it comes to team building. That's why I love those personality exercises and. Anything that helps you understand each other better allows you to bypass some of these, some of these hiccups that we're talking about, you know, in communication, so that we don't lose trust, we don't lose respect, and we're able to keep working together based on our own little proclivities. Right. Not, not only do you
0: I'm not saying. lose, but in many cases, you actually gain. Because, right. those, because those assessments. And, you know, when I, when I do my Accountability Academy, people get a DISC assessment, they get a, a, a motivational or, or uh, driving forces assessment, and they get an EQ assessment. And those assessments not only allow you to understand where the mismatch occurs, but it also allows you to appreciate somebody's strengths. Right.
1: Right. And your own weaknesses and how you can complement
0: each other. Exactly. Exactly. I love it. All right. So we've talked about uh, people interrupting and how to deal with it. We've talked about not listening. And, yeah, you know, we didn't talk about when somebody else is not listening, what to do with that. But we have talked about when you're not listening, how to avoid that. Um, and candidly, if somebody else isn't listening, I would ask them what what's distracting. I would just again, this goes to unclear being unclear is I would look and say, say, you know, pretending and isn't listening right now, you know. You know, first the name three times, and and and, right? When I'm serious about that. I'm not actually joking. We we talked about it. It, it will bring somebody around. It, try it next time. One of your kids or somebody isn't listening. And it, I notice you seem a little distracted. Right? Talk about the elephant in the room. Right?
1: Well, and and I would I would say that before you do that, do that weighing thing of am I going to actually achieve what I'm trying to achieve here by talking about the elephant in the room right now? Or do I just, is this a situation where it's good to just let it go? And each situation is going to be different. But sometimes, again, like trying to convince somebody of of something you're passionate about, you're not going to win anything by calling them out.
0: Right. And and I guess there are circumstances like that. I'm thinking as a leader or in a sales role where you're having a conversation for a reason and the other person seems distracted. Right. And, you know, and I'm not saying go, and, and, and you're not paying attention to me. (laughs) Right. Right. I'm not stopping somebody. Come from a place of compassion. And, and, and I could be mistaken here, but it seems like you may be a little distracted by something. Is there something I could do to help?
1: Or is this a good time? Maybe I can come back later. and We can have this conversation another time.
0: Right. And what I would probably do is start with, is there something I could do to help right and if they say no 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 and you know i yeah i got some things i don't want to share or whatever it might be well perhaps you know and and that's perhaps we come back another time we reconvene we circle back yeah right or if you're in a leadership role and it has to happen right now listen i I appreciate that but i need you focused on this because we got to get this dealt with so how can we get you focused on it and again not focused
1: how can we Let's just get through this, and then we can we can move on.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, when somebody's not paying attention, we talked about uh, eye shifting and, and and drifting. That really is just making sure that you know they are the most important person in the room. And I I, I think I never shared this last week, right? But um, Gladstone and Disraeli, the two uh, prime ministers of England in the uh, 19th century, and a woman who had you know this is the story as it goes: a woman who had dated them both. And she was quoted as saying, you know, when I was with Lord Gladstone, he made me feel like he was the most interesting person in the world. But when I was with Benjamin Disraeli, he made me feel like I was the most important person in the world. Yep. And, and so I think if we do that. Um, and you know
1: what I like to do, I mean, any meeting I go to at least in person.
0: Inter- thanks for interrupting.
1: Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was afraid you were going to move on and I wanted to stay on this because I had something else to add.
0: Man, what were you about to say?
1: I'm more important than you.
0: We all know that. That was the
1: subcontext, of course. No, but what I was going to say was that one of the habits people have when they're in meetings in person, and sometimes even on virtual, is to have their phone face up next to them. Now, unless I'm waiting for a call from my kid's oncologist, and I don't have kids, I'm going to put my phone away. Even if I'm the only one at the table who has my phone away in my pocket, in my purse, whatever, I put it away. Because I'm here now, and I'm here to listen to what's going on in this room. So, so figuring out how do I make my computer like to close it, put my phone away, put it face down. Watches, heck, those Apple watches, people are peeking at them all the time. It's like, you know, do whatever you can to eliminate those distractions that will make you shifty.
0: Yeah, in fact, tech and don't interrupt. Tech tip here, folks. Tech Tech, tip. Tech tip. So. as an Apple user, Apple now has this focus assist where you can actually set up different and it's not just DND, do not disturb or not, but you can actually set up what goes through what doesn't go through under certain conditions. Like I have a focus assist now that's set up for recording, which nothing gets through. Maybe you have uh, a sick family member and when I'm doing training, I always ask people you know not just shut off their phones. I would ask before. I, so does anybody here have anything where they might need somebody to get hold of them in an emergency like a pregnant wife or something like that? Almost always it's no, but every now and then it's a yes. And I say, with the exception of that person, could you please turn, don't put her on silent, turn your phone off. We'll be taking breaks and you can turn it back on. Like with focus assist, you can do that. You can set it up so that like only your spouse or whoever needs to can get through, but nobody else can. And so it doesn't ring. It doesn't make noise. It doesn't distract me.
1: And you're not staring at it.
0: And you can set it for a specific amount of time. So, you know, either when I leave this location or for an hour, or if you have an event in your calendar, when this event is over, so you don't have to remember about turning it off again.
1: Yep. I love it. Yeah.
0: All right. I think we've gone a little long today. We have, but we went short last time, so it's okay. Yeah. It all balances out. Yeah. Right. So congratulations on the promotion, Anne.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh,
0: I, I I, mean, I've been excited. You know, we've had a great time and I'm looking forward now to to stop calling you a, uh, a guest right? co-host.
1: <laughs> and I'm honored that you uh, have selected me to continue going on with this infuriating banter. Yeah,
0: it was a, a tough face. choice.
1: <laughs> I'm sure.
0: <laughs> All right. Until next week. Thanks, everyone. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com.
1: And this is Ann Bonnie at yourchangespeaker.com.
0: Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.